BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. So this is fortuitous. Axios has their one big thing of the day, and it pertains to my next guest. It says, Vivek Ramaswamy, the little-known biotech multimillionaire who jumped into the 2024 GOP presidential race, is auditioning to be the party's next Donald Trump with hyper-Trumpian positions on the border, voting, culture wars, and more. By running to the right of Trump, the 37-year-old entrepreneur positions himself as the heir apparent to the former president, who is 76. Ramaswamy is an understudy in plain sight and already mentioned as a plausible VP pick for Donald Trump. This is Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek, thanks so much for being here. Good to be on. How are you? So the Admiral Stockdale question, who are you and why are you here? <laughs> the, the perennial question we all ask ourselves, I suppose. So, uh, so look, I, I'm a kid of immigrants. My parents came to this country in the late 70s and early 80s. I grew up in Ohio and you know, wasn't born into money, but had the ultimate privilege of having two parents who put a focus on education in the house. I ended up going to Harvard for college, studying biology, thought I was going to be a scientist, ended up getting into the world of biotech. And my entire career has been challenging bureaucracies. My first business was built on challenging the bureaucracy of big pharma, which in many ways is a government-like industry. And we developed a number of medicines that pharma had abandoned. Five of the medicines I oversaw are FDA-approved products today. That was the backbone of building a multi-billion dollar business that I led as CEO for seven years. But I stepped down from my job as a CEO to focus on a different kind of cancer. That was a cancer that I thought threatened to kill the American dream that allowed me to achieve everything I had in my life up to that point. And so I stepped aside from my job as a biotech CEO a few years ago, and I've been writing books. I wrote Woke Inc., I wrote Nation of Victims, I wrote a third book, Capitalist Punishment, more recently, traveled the country, been to a majority of states around the country, speaking out against the politicization of the private sector, speaking out against the one-sided politicization of corporate America, but more importantly on a quest to answer the hardest question I think I've been out to answer, which is means to be an American today. And while I've started other businesses, I started a business called Strive to compete with BlackRock. I decided that I was not going to lead a national revival just by writing books and by starting to launch this presidential campaign as more of a cultural movement to answer the question of what it means to be an American today. 
the I'm thing, all in for the America First movement, but but we got to rediscover what America is, and that's my question. Your, your first bid for elective office is the presidency. W- what happened to establishing credentials? You know, serving in the Congress, maybe running for governor, U.S. Senate. So look, I, I think that if my goal was to build a political career, then you're right. I would do it differently by taking it step by step. But the reality is I'm not building a political career. My goal is to actually change the country in the maximal way I can. And I think that running for president as an outsider is actually a good thing. One of my top objectives is to dismantle the administrative state, dismantle the managerial class. I don't think a professional career politician is actually going to get that job done because you're a product of the very system that you're trying to fix. I think declaring independence from China, I would say the same thing. One of the things I'm independent of because of having lived the American dream is I'm independent of the GOP donor class. And I think that's actually a competitive advantage that allows me to be unconstrained in actually speaking my mind rather than running what I have to say through the filter of donor self-interest. I'm also the first millennial ever to run for U.S. president as a Republican. And that puts me in a position to reach the next generation of Americans, too. And so I think that's why I'm able to have a maximal impact. I think Trump did that in 2015. That was his first elective office in 2016. I think it'll be I think it's going to become something of a tradition in the GOP going forward, actually. So this is the second hour of the program. In the first hour of the program, as it was the case for the last two days, we talked a great deal about the CNN town hall, initially in anticipation, then the aftermath, and today was kind of the post-mortem. I assume that Vivek Ramaswamy watched, or at least has a pretty darn good understanding of exactly what went down. The specific question I wanted to ask is this. What did Donald Trump say in the CNN town hall with which you disagree? So I have to admit this. I'm on a, I'm talking to you from a bus in Iowa. I have been on a bus tour across Iowa. I was giving my own speech to an audience in Iowa at the time of that town hall. Here's what I'll tell you. My, my reaction is I think it's a positive that it happened, right? I think that we need more cross-pollination and dialogue in this country. That's why I go on CNN and NBC and other networks. Like, that's why I go to college campuses where I spoke yesterday. That, so I think that this is a good thing when we have cross-pollination and dialogue. I've seen a lot of the news reporting around it that has been critical of Trump showing up or critical of CNN. I reject both sides of that criticism because more dialogue is good in this country. We need to break down the I silos. I totally agree. I mean, that's yep. come on. That's what this program is all about. Surely you good. know that. That's why you're here. But you've read all the accounts. He said a lot of incendiary things, at least as interpreted by some on the political spectrum. What did you hear that he said with which you disagree? Yeah, so this is based on secondhand, but what I've read about. Look, I think a lot of it's stylistic. I disagree. I'm not a name caller. I don't believe in using you know, I would say names or labels that you apply. I think some of the interaction with the with the moderator, Caitlin, I think that we have to lead by example. Okay, we have to create the country and model the behavior we want the next generation of Americans to embrace. And so, though, I give Trump credit for showing up. That's great. That's modeling one kind of good behavior to say I'll show up. I think that we have to talk about where we're going rather than talk about the past. I think we have to talk about what not what we're running from, but what we're running to. So for me, it's less on the substance and more stylistically be the leader that we can all look our kids in the eye and say that, hey, I have two sons. All right. I want to look my two sons in the eye and say, I want you to grow up and be like him. 
And I think that that's one of the things I'm going to aim to embody. I hope to do one of those CNN town halls myself. I think that that should be a forum that it's not just a one-off gimmick that CNN did with Donald Trump. I, don't, I think CNN was earnest in doing it. I think they should do it with all of the other major candidates. I'm polling at third in the national polling right now on the Republican side. And I think that that's something that would be a good thing for the country. But if I were to do it, and I hope I will do it, I think it will be modeling a kind of behavior in our discourse that doesn't resort to name-calling and doesn't resort to grievance and vengeance, but resorts to exactly a dialogue about where we are going as a country. And I think that would be what I would do differently. I heard Donald Trump give no quarter with regard to things he has said previously and the way that he acted pertaining to January 6th. I heard him say things that seemed completely cool with the idea that the nation would, in fact, default. I heard him refuse to pick sides relative to the war between Russia and Ukraine. Anything in that mix that Vivek Ramaswamy says, that's not where I'm coming from, in addition to stylistic? So so let me just pick the last one. I think it's a substantive issue. So I am not rooting for Russia to win this war. I will come out and say that expressly. Okay, I don't think that that would be a good thing. However, as a matter of policy, I also don't want to use more U.S. military resources in Ukraine. I believe in leading through diplomacy. So Trump hasn't said what his magic formula is to end the war in 24 or 48 hours. I could give you my perspective on how I actually would. I think that we need to diplomatically engage. Talk to Germany. We have 40,000 troops stationed in Germany. Germany likes that a lot. Germany, however, is getting in Poland's way through export controls to stop Poland from being able to help Ukraine. And though I stand for the America First agenda, that means I'm also in favor of Ukraine pursuing Ukraine first and Poland pursuing Poland first. And so I think we're not leading diplomatically enough. And so you take, you know, I think if you want to deter a NATO ally from being invaded like Poland, then how about a conversation about taking some of those U.S. troops that are just stationed dormant in Germany, a portion of them stationed dormant in Poland instead, Germany is not going to like that very much, which is going to cause Germany to then step up and play a greater role in bringing both parties to the table and ending this war on fair terms. So Donald- you could call that stylistic or you could call that substantive, but I believe that we've got to be specific about how we're actually going to draw this to a close. Donald Trump continues to promote the idea that the election was stolen from him. I mean, despite the fact that it was heavily litigated and not a single court outcome uh, was in his favor. He is he is standing by that assertion. Your response to that is what? So I'm data driven. And here's the area of data where I think the election result could have been different, which is if the Hunter Biden laptop story had not been systematically suppressed, censored by every social media platform, by even main mainstream media, all media silencing that story. There we've seen polling evidence to suggest that many people would have changed their decision or may have changed their decision. That's something that actually bothers me, the suppression of that story. On the other stuff that, you know, relating to voting machines or whatever, I have seen no evidence to suggest that that would have changed the voting outcome. So I'm evidence-driven. I I respond to facts. Here's a hard fact that we know. The Hunter Biden laptop story was real. It was wrongfully described in the name of suppressing the spread of misinformation. They created misinformation. And there's good polling data to suggest that would have changed how people voted. So that's where my focus is, okay, not but on both, some other okay, area but, where but, I haven't seen any evidence. Both both things can certainly be true. I, for, for one, extensively discussed at the same time as the New York Post and Fox News, the revelations that were coming from the laptop. But at the same time, 
you know, there was no evidence of widespread voter fraud. Maybe there were yes. there were some off instances, one off instances of the usual sort of things that go with, you know, when civilians get together and stage an election where millions and millions of people have to vote. But there was nothing on the scale of what Trump talks about. Uh, and and there should have been more widespread commentary about Hunter's laptop at the time. That's the reality as I see it. Yeah, so I think that that's fair. I, mean, I would say one thing is, like, I'm much more interested in talking about the future in the country than to mire ourselves in a discussion about Trump in the rearview mirror and just part of what's wrong in our country. But to answer your question directly, I'm evidence-driven. The evidence is clear on the Hunter Biden laptop side and potentially influencing polling and the influence of the election. I also have not yet seen any evidence to suggest that there was voting machine fraud or anything else. So I, I'm, I'm crystal clear about I, that. I, wanted, I want to talk. Is, I'm done I, talking about Trump in the past, if I can. I got it. I got it. And I have, I, have one more, I have one more Trump-related question, and then I, I want to ask you about civics, which is a subject near and dear to my heart. But, yes. you know, the reality is here's, here's a guy, meaning Trump, that has command, it seems, of 50 percent of the Republican voters. So he's unless something changes, he's a very likely Republican nominee. You've had great success academically and in the private sector. You want to play a role publicly, stepping forward and taking him on. But there's got to be more to it than I have stylistic differences. Like, where's the substantive difference between you and the front runner? So the substantive difference is I'm going even further with the America First agenda than Donald Trump did, taking on issues that he didn't touch. For example, I've said I would end race-based affirmative action by executive order because it was created by executive order under Lyndon Johnson. I pushed Trump's people on why they didn't do it. Their answer was it was a political hill they didn't want to die on. I'm not afraid of that issue. I'm abandoning the climate cult. I'm not talking about time horizons. I'll end the measurement or the mandate of measurement of carbon emissions throughout the federal government and its mandate on the private sector. I'm not just talking about building some wall. I have committed to use the military to secure the actual southern border studied how under posse comitatus that is perfectly legitimate under legal, ethical, and moral norms. Wait a minute. You think, wait, you think, that, you think yep. that posse comitatus does, does not preclude anything beyond an assistance role for the U.S. military in terms of what's going on literally today with Title 42? That's correct. That's correct. If they're stationed precisely on the border and focused exclusively on preventing the illegal entry of foreigners into the United States, then yes, I believe that is within the scope of law. I had a podcast with Bill Barr on my podcast on this, other legal experts that you and I both know that we've pressed on this issue. Yes, is the hard answer to that question. Now, and part of this is why I'm able to go further. One of the reasons is that I'm based on moral foundations, based on first principles and not vengeance and grievance. So the stylistic difference is what allows me to go further on the substance. Take the shutdown of agencies. President Trump dealt with the Department of Education by putting Betsy DeVos, a nice enough person, on top of it. Well, I've said if that agency should not exist, then I believe the chief executive of this country, the president of the United States, has an obligation to shut it down. And that's exactly what I will do. We have a clear plan to do it. And again, here it requires getting into the details of how we run the congressional budgeting process, have the language and the appropriations come back not to say may shall spend, but go back to saying may spend, which is what those appropriations used to say. Again, this takes a combination of being grounded in principle. This takes a combination of actually understanding the details and caring about those details and bringing a fresh perspective. So I think the stylistic differences are inextricably intertwined with why I'm able to go further with the agenda that Trump ever did. That is why I'm in this race, and that's why I think we're going to win. 
I'm going to leave you. I'm going to lose you soon, but I want to make sure that I get to this. My wife and I have have four children all now. Sadly, I wish they were younger like yours, but they're all of voting age. The only climate they know is this political climate, which is a shame because I cut my teeth in the Reagan 80s in a much more civil environment. And by the way, at a time when 60 percent of the Senate was comprised of moderates. So there's been a sea change in this country. And I largely blame a polarized media for what we've become in any event with regard to American youth. You have a proposal that would do what exactly? You can't vote at 18 unless you've paid some dues. So, look, I think we need to revive civic pride in the next generation of Americans. This goes beyond partisanship. We need to think big on how to do it. So last night, I unveiled my support for a constitutional amendment that would raise the voting age from 18 to 25, but still allows you to vote at 18 if you either do six months of service to the military or in a first responder role, or else pass the exact same civics test that we already require of green card holders in order to become a naturalized citizen. The exact same test that people already have to pass to become citizens and vote require that of 18-year-olds between the age of 18 and 25. Would and you embrace that, a program yeah. of, of national yeah. service, mandatory, uh, a la the Israeli model, not necessarily military, yeah. so, but but some requirement? So I, I, I stopped short of a mandated national service model because I think that that can actually be counterproductive in the American context. I think it's been great for Israel. I think it's been great in South Korea. I wrote about this extensively in my first book, so I've been thinking about this for years. But in the American context, I think that that misses by half, and we would lack the support in this country for it right now as well. However, I think that tying it to at least voting at a young age, to say that here's a civic privilege that is tied to some measure of civic duty, at least six months of service, or at the very least studying and learning about the Constitution the same way we ask an immigrant to this country to, I think that that alone is a humble enough proposal. It's already drawn plenty of backlash. But that's the kind of steps we're going to need to take in order to revive the civic lifeblood of our country. And in a certain sense, I want to revive that spirit of Reagan, bring that into the present day to actually understand where we are going as a people. I still think we as a country are young. I'm not just talking about young people. I think our nation is young, going through our version of adolescence, going through the identity crisis of adolescence, figuring out who we're going to be when we grow up. And in order to figure out who we're going to be when we grow up, We have to answer who we are right now. And I think that that civic lifeblood in the next generation is one of my top priorities as the next president. And that's why I'm thinking big. And even though this isn't necessarily a politically popular proposal, I don't know how it polls nationally or anything else. This is my true belief of how we actually tie civic duty to citizenship itself. And once we do that, I think we're going to have a country left to pass on to the next generation. Final final question for Vivek Ramaswamy. Thank you for being so gracious with your time. And it also pertains to American youth. Do you see a causal connection between all the data that shows a spike in mental health concerns among our youth and online activity, smartphones, that which we see in the data from 2012 forward at the same point that more than half the country for the first time had a smartphone in their pocket? Absolutely. No doubt about it. And that's what would I've you do about it? If you, if you can't smoke an addictive cigarette by 18 or have an addictive drink of alcohol by 21, if you're really following the facts and the science, there's no way we should be allowing you to use an addictive social media product at the age of 14 or 15 either. I would ban it under the age of 16 for an addictive, algorithmically powered social media platform under kids under the age of 16. TikTok should not be used by a 14-year-old if we're not allowing them to smoke a cigarette either. That's what I would do. And that's not a partisan solution. That's just waking up to the unique threats that we face today 
and actually dealing with them head on. Vivek, thanks for your time. To be continued, I hope. I, I look forward to that. I think we need more of this. Great conversation. Thank you. Vivek Ramaswamy, ladies and gentlemen, running for the presidency as a Republican. Yes, of course, I'd love to hear your reaction. There's a lot there to unpack. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform slashing manual tasks and errors over 37,000 companies have already made the move so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite now through April 15th NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program head to netsuite.com slash Smirconish, netsuite.com slash Smirconish, netsuite.com slash Smirconish. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Thomas is standing by in Dubuque, Iowa. Hi, Thomas. Hey, good morning, Michael. How are you? Go ahead. Hello. Yes, sir. Oh, good. Sorry. <laughs> hey, yeah, I was. I was surprised uh, as an anti-Trumper, never Trumper, to hear how uh, intelligent and well-spoken this gentleman was. I really wish, you know, that he were more moderate in his positions and not such a supporter of Trump and some of these things. Um you know, it's that's what makes it hard for me to take him seriously. There's there's an interesting part of this story that's pointed out in the Axios column that in part I used for his introduction. Uh, I'll read it aloud. Trump, long known for bashing opponents, has praised Ramaswamy, quote, 
I am pleased to see that Vivek Ramaswamy is doing so well in the most recent Republican primary poll he posted last week on his Truth Social, referring to a survey that showed Ramaswamy tied with former Vice President Mike Pence and third among GOP contenders. Former Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski talked with a super PAC backing Ramaswamy about coming aboard and had the conversation with Trump's blessing. Uh, here comes my cynic gene. Could it be that they perceive any any vote for Ramaswamy coming not at the expense of Donald Trump, but coming at the expense of, say, not only Mike Pence, but Ron DeSantis? I think that is, could be very true. I also think that since he does not see him as a serious threat, um, I think he likes the fact that he says nice things about him. Yeah, and I mean, you know he, he goes Trump to great lengths. That. He goes to great lengths not to uh, not to to be too critical of Donald Trump. That's that is for sure. Randy, you're in Oklahoma City. Greetings. What did you most want to say? Uh, yes, thank you, Michael. I uh, have a problem. I think with this uh, taxation, with without uh, representation of the of the youth vote, uh, I think that's what he's contemplating. It seems like he wants to go from the age of 16 to 24, which you could work and pay into a system, and not allow those people's people to vote unless they pass some test, I think, uh, which I don't know why he's picking on the young folks for the test. It seems like some of the old folks could have a problem with passing that <laughs> test as well. But, it's, a good, uh, yeah, it's a good point. Taxation without representation, I don't think, is a well-thought-out plan at all. I think we kind of done away with that a long time ago. You know, shame on me for not suggesting that if that test were given to Americans of all ages, and I know the naturalization exam that he's making reference to, I spoke at a naturalization ceremony uh, several years ago, but it caused me to delve into the whole process in a way that I never understood the naturalization process. And I remember looking at those questions and from time to time we dust them off here and use them for radio fodder. And I have no doubt that most Americans who by birthright were given their citizenship could not pass what naturalized Americans have to. Right. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. St. Paul, Minnesota is next. Viv- uh, Vivek Ramaswamy was just here, and John has a reaction. Hi, John. Hey, Michael. I think that Vivek is so good for the country because he really civilizes the Trump agenda. He does a great job of taking the people who are in the Trump column and giving them something to latch on to. The, the people who vote for Trump don't want to believe that they're racist or that they're not intelligent or policy-driven. And they can park some support with Vivek saying, hey, you know, this is the stuff we want. And, you know, without the Trump baggage, I think that he's the kind of person who can bring the country together uh, because you'd have such a distance, like Anderson was saying, um, between the, the Trump people and the, and the uh, people on the left. And a lot of people on the left criticizing Vivek for his policies, that many of which are, yes, uh, radical. Um, they got to understand the great role that he could play in kind of bringing it all together. So many say, if if only I could have the Trump policies without Trump. And I guess therein is the the opportunity that Vivek hope, hopes exist. My response is to say, OK, but without the edge, you lose some of that Trump persona that some find so objectionable, but which distinguishes him. And, you know, why why does Donald Trump get thousands of people to come to those rallies time and time again? Because they want to hear the one-liners. They want to hear the edge. And if someone has the same issue presentation, but it's, it's presented in a more intellectual fashion, I don't think it, it's, going to, it's going to engender the same level of passion. 
It'd be great if I were wrong. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Steve, you're in Boston. You didn't find the Vivek Ramaswamy comments about elevating the age to vote all that convincing. How come? Michael, thanks for taking my call. I'm a Philly boy. I appreciate your, your show all the time. Thank you. Um, well, it was, it was, it's arbitrary. I mean, why not 23? Why not 22? And your earlier caller was saying, why not test older people? I mean, the guy is just a, a Trump in sheep's clothing. Uh, he has some good ideas about national service. I'm all for that. But, you know, they're just trying to suppress the vote. When you say they're just trying to suppress the vote, meaning to keep DeSantis or any other Trump challenger down? No, to, to, to keep Democratic votes off the table because younger oh, voters... I'm sorry, young voters who skew, Demo- who skew Democratic. Sure. 
Uh, you're, I mean, look, it's hard to distinguish the young from the old. Give that test to anybody on the age spectrum in America, and I think they're going to have trouble passing it. I'm rummaging through my notes because there was another civics exam that came up recently. I had a conversation on this subject of all people with Richard Dreyfus, who's a big believer in, in a need toward turning to civics. And if I find it, I'll, I'll hit you with some of these questions. Marty, greetings in Reading, Pennsylvania. Hi. Hi. How are you, Michael? Okay. Uh, I'm calling with a... Uh, the subject of controlling uh, debates and town halls. I don't know why it hasn't been done, but there should be a microphone mute button uh, for each candidate. And anybody who interrupts, you simply shut his mic off and let it keep him out of the conversation till the person talking is done. I have to say, I, I don't know that I don't know that any of these methods are, are necessarily going to work any better than what was attempted well, by Caitlin he, Collins the other night. If he can't if he can't be heard, he can't very well dominate the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I, it's been done for years that people just mute a microphone and that puts the end of it. You know, now you're going to have to put a time limit on his uh because once he gets wind of that, he'll just keep speaking and speaking. So you're going to have to time limit him somehow. But give him a minute and then turn his mic off. Marty, may I give you sure. a uh, an eighth grade history question quiz? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, good for you. I would have said no, but here it is. What This is going to be uh, multiple choice, so you'll get four choices. What were European okay. explorers, such as Henry Hudson, looking for when they sailed the coast and rivers of North America in the 1600s. Your choices, A, a water trade route to Asia, B, a land route to South America, C, land to use for sugar plantations, or D, religious freedom. I'm going with A. And you are a winner, sir. As a matter of fact, okay. I'll tell you what. I, I, I'll, I'll say if you'd like to have one, I'll, I'll give you one of our uh, T-shirts from Smirconish dot com. I would be delighted. I'm a Philly boy, so you're I in. Love it. I've listened sit, to you sit, for sit, years. Sit, sit, sit. Thank you for that, Tamson or, or or Dan. We'll hook you up. Uh, that's Marty on line seven, guys. If you could. Uh, if you can take care of him. Um, I want to make clear that's not a naturalization. That's not a question you would need to pass for citizenship. That is one of five questions I have in front of me, a so-called medium difficulty from the eighth grade U.S. history test given by the federal government. I thought it was pretty difficult, but he nailed it. A water trade route to Asia. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? 
In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.